ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to What They Don't Teach You in College podcast. I am your host, Alex Afondi. Good to have you with us. This is where we get together to talk about um, things, areas, concerns, and technicalities that uh, I personally believe uh, aren't taught in college. I do believe the educational system uh, is, is solid. However, when it comes to technical skills and things that you actually learn outside of college, a podcast similar to this is very useful for your progress and success. Uh, today I have uh, Jeremy Callahan. He is an app developer, consultant, advisor, and um, he will give us some solid insight today on what it takes to develop an app and a successful app at that. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Jeremy. Good to have you with us. Hey, thank you very much for having me on the show today, Alex. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, appreciate your involvement. Could you please give us some uh, some background um, on yourself, um, where you went to college, if you did, how you learned app development, and what made yeah. you choose it? Yeah, it'll actually tie into kind of the intro that you just gave. I, um, I got a degree in political science at Chico State University, which is in Northern California, mm-hmm. and I started working as a paralegal. I knew I didn't want to go to law school or be a paralegal. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what to do, so I went and I got a master's, uh, an MBA, and while I was in that program, I was starting a a company, Um, I had an idea for putting videos of golf courses on the web in 1998, and so I would kind of take courses, and you know, if I took a marketing course or whatever, I would do it around, you know, how I was going to market that website, and then I ended up kind of learning to program. Um, at that time, I got to go to uh, Borders, and I'd sit at Borders, and I'd look through all the books. We didn't have Google back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that process, I started that company, and I kind of became a web developer and did that until 2011. And then when I saw the world was going mobile, uh, I took the skills I had, kind of learned from engineering and working as an engineer all those years, and uh, became a mobile developer. So I kind of just fell into programming. Um, I never had a programming background. I didn't get a computer science degree. I just kind of learned it all on my own. Wow, that that's quite incredible. And where did you get your uh, MBA from? At Golden Gate University in San Francisco. Golden Gate University. Um, that's interesting. You say this because uh, recently, actually, I went I went to an, an uh, informational session at a local university, LMU, Loyola Marymount, and I yeah. met a gentleman, and he says, <clears throat> "Well, I have this app idea." And I'm pursuing my MBA to to learn how to develop this app. Not technically, obviously, but you know, learn how to bring it to market and make it a success. And of course, I had nothing but words of encouragement. But you know, deep inside, I felt that's probably the last thing you want to do is is be in debt. You know, hundred thousand dollars behind, and now you're trying to develop an app, which will you know will will segue us, if you will, into the cost. Right? You developed web pages or you know web web application transitioned to mobile when i tried to develop an app <clears throat> it was expensive and what are some of the cost cutting strategies or tactics that you'd recommend a an app developer or not an app developer but someone who wants to develop an app use to you know basically bootstrap the project and determine whether it will be a success or not well, I think that, you know, it all comes down to the very beginning as far as it's, it's all about prototyping. And 
you know, it, it it's a little bit more complex than just a prototype. It's actually, you know, first you got to make some sort of assumption of who you're making your app for, whatever that is, right? Okay. Um, what, who the customer is going to be, how it's going to make money. And then you have to figure out a way of what can you get in front of somebody or a group or that group of people, better yet, to test um, in the real world or in a real world scenario. So a lot of times people come through and I had a guy the other day, he wanted me to do this app. It's kind of a, for contractors for estimating and getting estimates out quicker right. to um, potential people. But he came down with a list of, you know, 80 things. Uh, you know, it, it was basically an in name thing of how he was going to run his business with it. And so that kind of gets to what you were saying. It's going to be very expensive and time consuming to develop all of that. Right. So what is the part he could pull out of there? Um, and potentially just say, okay, I'm just going to develop the estimating part. I assume most contractors want to get more estimates, want to get them out to clients faster. The more they can do, the more business they could do. Sure, sure, so that would be like a scenario that you could probably roll out kind of a scaled down version of the app, a MVP, a right. minimum viable product, and get that you know out and testable. Now, okay. I'll just go on a little bit more into it. The, the general idea is, is that... Um, you know, what What can you test, right? What can you get in front of people? If you, if you can't do that, um, then you're going to kind of be spinning your wheels and developing a lot of extra things. And, you know, I mean, this has happened to me. It may have happened to you where you develop something, um, you work very hard on it, and then you put it in the market and not one person buys it mm. or very few buy it, you know. And now you're, you're sitting there on a, on a ton of money and, and worse time where somebody didn't use it. So, um that, that's one. And then the other one I would say is if you can um, really figure out what your app is, and this, you don't have to be able to code to do this. You could just go in. Um, there's a lot of prototyping tools you can use that will just kind of create all the screens. You know, here's the first splash screen you see. Here's the instructions page. Here's how you register. Here's the dashboard. So that you actually have all those screens and you have all those flows. So when you do go and hire a developer, you know exactly what you're going to have to build versus and trying to figure it out once you have the developer on board and then finding problems. You, right. you, should, you, you can find those problems on your own without a developer. Right, right, right. Now, are these pages interactive, meaning if I, ha if I click on login, obviously I'm not actually logging in, but does it take me to the next screen, kind of like a hyperlink? I'm not a technical guy, but kind of like yeah. a hyper hyperlink? Yeah, so the main, the main utility I use... And there's a lot of them out there. Um, it's called Ionic Creator. Okay. Uh, it's I-O-N-I-C, Ionic Creator. Ionic Creator. And, yeah, and for everybody out there listening right now, you can go on Ionic Creator. You can get a free account. And you it literally, in the middle of the screen, there's a picture of a phone. And then there's buttons on one side. And you drag the buttons in. And um, they have all kinds of layouts if you want the buttons along the bottom or kind of a hamburger menu. Okay. And you create the first page. And you can create a you can create a slideshow, you know, like when you know when you first open an app, you see slideshows. Sure, 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 sure. sure. Um, app. And then you click next, and then it actually takes you to the next page. You link all these pages up. Again, it's a drag and drop utility. You don't know how have to know how to code. And then the nice thing about it is they have an app as well. They have an Ionic Creator app. And if you have that app on your phone, which is free in iTunes. Now I can send you the app, and when you, you can actually install the app on your phone, so I can send it to you, Alex, and you could say, oh, yeah, this looks cool. So 
now you actually have something in people's hands that they can actually test and go through. So even if you were just doing it with a focus group, you know, say you had 10 people that were going to test the app and okay. they could look at it and, you know, and go from there. Right. Right, that's incredible. Can you think of a couple more for the audience? So, Ionic Creator, what other ones would you would you recommend? Um, and even if they cost money, I'm sure it's pretty minimal. Yeah, the, the, the other one I used to use is called Proto.io, Proto.io. Mm -hmm. um, and I know there's a lot of other ones out there as well, but these are kind of some of the ones you can actually um, drag and drop from a web page, so okay. you don't have to install software. Okay. Um, and they all start, they all, they're all basically priced the same. They'll give you, like, uh, Ionic Creator is free, but you can only have one app on there at a time. You right. pay nine, $9 a month or uh, maybe it's $19 a month. You can have an unlimited amount of um, apps on there. So even if you're a, a good-sized company, um, say, say you work, you're a corporate employee, you work somewhere, and, you know, you guys want to, your marketing team wants to roll out a new app, you could actually have, like, multiple people in there go in and, um, and create stuff. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that's okay. So basically a minimum viable product. I mean, just utilizing some entrepreneurial yes. uh, terms here, uh, minimum viable product, uh, MVP, get it out, do a focus group, uh, test it. If you get positive response now, <clears throat> but what I'd recommend the audience to do is don't just give it to friends and family because they, you know, most of them want to encourage you. To pursue yeah. your dreams, you want to give it to people that you don't necessarily know, or maybe instruct them. Hey, look, be very honest with me, because I don't want to go out and spend thousands of dollars on developing an app based on an idea just because you told me, "Hey, this is going to be a success," right? Exactly. <laughs> I yeah, I think family, and, and it's it's awesome. It's awesome that they encourage you, but there comes a point where you need a. You know, like, I'd rather hear, honestly, I'd rather hear, your app idea sucks. <laughs> right. No, I mean, that, that would be more helpful. Um, most of most of my experience with friends and family is they they give you a suggestion on what they would like to see in it, as if, you know, you're building it for them. Sure. Um, but even they aren't usually in the, in the target group that's actually going to be using the app or who it's for. Okay. So, um, yeah, getting it, getting it in front of the right group and... Um, is certainly a very important step. Right, 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 right. Okay. So targeting the right group. Obviously, if you're making a fitness app, you don't want to go to uh, people who don't necessarily go to the gym all the time or aren't active, right? You want to go to the active people, um, you know, basic. Now, uh, I've come across this uh, situation where, you know, when I was – in the process of developing an app or trying to, that, that is, um, I couldn't decide whether I should hire an individual or a company. Can you maybe shed light on the advantages and disadvantages of, of either? Yeah, well, I think it, it kind of depends on if we're talking offshore and onshore as well. So if you're, if you're hiring people from other countries, whether that's India or Eastern Europe or wherever, um, it's it's hard to say. I think an individual. I always say it's better to hire an individual and pay them more, um, because what I've found with a lot of the the development shops, particularly in India, is that I get a low rate, I get good work, and as the work starts going on and on, then it seems to taper off. And sometimes I feel it tapers off because that company 
someone else's pain than more money or they're, you know, they, they prioritize me kind of out of the, out of the mix. Okay. So if you are going to use a company, it's important to use like, like for instance, I use these guys in Serbia. They were great. And there was a guy and like four other people that would work on the thing. for The guy's actually running a legitimate company with employees and a development shop. Okay. It's not, it's not a guy, um, running 60 employees and just selling a bunch of apps, you know, or a bunch of websites for them to program. So right. it's, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, and I would say, you know, and if you're in the United States, I think, you know, an individual is definitely doable because of, you know, you're going to pay a higher per hour cost. Um, but again, you're going to kind of fall into that. Um, what if something happens to that person, you know, whether oh, they yeah. lose interest or you're not, they want more money or, you know, they, they ghost you, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in that process. So, um, absolutely. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You mentioned a good point because you might be midway and that person might disappear, might get, I mean, God forbid, but might get hit by a bus. Yeah. Um, well, or they just might disappear. Like they just stop calling you back. Like nothing even happened to them. <laughs> right. They don't want to work for you anymore. Right, so. right, right, right. Yeah. In fact, a while back, I worked for a guy for, um, it was, it was um independent contractor. I was an independent contractor for him doing sales, and when it came time to pay me, the guy disappeared. So, yeah. you know. There you go. Well, the other, the, the, the other thing that will happen, you know, from our end, if we're hiring developers, you'll get held hostage to a degree. You know, somebody will want more money, and, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's just weird. It's usually like, People are working, they're doing a great job for you, and then suddenly they're not. And then when you finally get them on the phone and talk to them, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is money. And you're like, well, if it would have, if I, you would have just told me this, I would have just paid you more money. You didn't have to not work for three weeks and, you know, pout about it. Exactly. Um, you know, just tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking of the countries that one could look into, obviously there's no hard set rule to this, but. I personally found Eastern Europe developers to be far more responsive. Um, the timing actually works better because they're only about 68 hours ahead of us. Right. Um, so, you know, you could you get up at 6 a.m. and it's only, um, you know, 2 p.m. their time. That's actually not too bad at all. They're still working as opposed to, to you know, India or China. It's a little different. Um, For sure. Where? And, and, and the other thing is, oh, sorry, were you going to ask a question? Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, as you get closer to launch, um, it's it's particularly difficult to launch an app um, in the middle of the night because that's what you end up doing when you have people uh, in like India or China because it's the middle of the night. So as you get closer and closer to your deadline, the tasks will get more uh, detailed and you'll have to have more and more communication. And so you'll end up, you know, a lot of late nights towards the end. Right. Okay. Um, so, so... I decided, okay, I want to use someone in uh, Ukraine or Serbia, and I'm ready to find him. Where do I find him? Um, well, I use a website called Upwork. Okay. And, um, you know, and I just post a job on Upwork of what I want. And I have a development background, so my postings are a little bit more specific. Um, but you just get a ton of responses whenever you post a job, okay. whether it's specific or not. Right. So it's always good to put something in the description 
asking for something particular, like, oh, send me a detailed hours report or whatever that is. And if anybody just sends you just kind of a generic response, no matter how good their generic response is, get rid of them. If they can't follow kind of that basic instruction at the beginning of scoping or whatever, then it's just going to get bigger from there. Right, right, right. And I don't know how, I don't know how Upwork works on their end, on the freelancer's end, but, uh, I mean, for all we know, the responses are generated automatically without even without well, without some, them even reading it. Possibly. Yeah, some some people have definitely figured out how to like build a bot <laughs> that just goes in and replies to every job posting that you know needs HTML and CSS, and they just because you get a lot of generic ones. Um, but you see, I mean, it's pretty obvious what what is what. Um, the other thing you have to be careful is you'll get some bait and switch where sometimes it'll be a company in Canada and you'll actually a person you'll actually talk to a person and that person is only kind of like a sales slash representative for a company that's usually in um, in India. So right. the work is actually ends up being done in India and you hired a company in India but you thought you were hiring a Canadian. So Right. How could yeah. you tell though? I mean pretty it's pretty obvious. Like I don't think people really try to hide it all that much. You're usually talking to somebody, and then they kind of hand you off to the next level, and, you, and then you can tell the next level to India just because of the time difference when they start sending you emails right. and communications. Right, 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 right. Now, do yeah. you personally, you know, for for, for an entrepreneur or um, you know a, a stay-at-home mom that wants to develop the next best app, um, do you personally work as a consultant for individuals? For example, I mean, finding obviously you have the technical knowledge, right? And I have the idea, so I'm 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 laying the um, call it the map, but you actually do the blueprint and and put the technical technical stuff together for these app developers to work. Do you personally do that? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, so I know I work with a number of different kind of, you know, I work with some medium-sized small businesses. Um, I do some corporate clients as well. And then that boils down all the way to individuals as well. So, for instance, last year I did an app um, for a woman who was a property manager. She managed, I think, about 25 different properties, and she did it all by, you know, email, Excel spreadsheet, uh, Post-it notes, and, she kinda, and, a, and a calendar, and she kind of came up with this idea and she had a, uh, like a Word document that just had, you know, like two pages of everything she needed. And uh, I, I just did a quick little prototype for her based on what that, um, what that uh, Word document was. You know, an actual click-through prototype, what we talked, through, talked about earlier with, uh, with Ionic. And she took one look at that and said, yes, that's what I want to do. And gave her an estimate and then went ahead and did the work for, for her as well. So that's kind of how smaller uh, job would, would kind of come through me. Okay, okay, very nice. And how could, obviously I'll leave the uh, contact information on the podcast page, but uh, can you give us a, a quick contact info? How could someone get a hold of you? Email best or Facebook? Or? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just go to my website, jeremycallahan.com. Um, you'll see my email there. There's, there's, actually a, a, there's actually a link on my page you can set up a free 15-minute consultation call with me. Nice. Um, I, I encourage you to just just set up a call. That's the quickest way. You can email me. You can look at me on Facebook. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me anywhere. But if you want to actually talk and be serious about something, um, just pop, 
me on the phone. That's the quickest way. Excellent, excellent. I appreciate that. And uh, I must say too, uh, Jeremy, you, you've definitely helped me out in, my, in the process I was going through um, a year and a half ago and gave me some incredible tips, and I'm very appreciative of that. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'm like I said, I'm a I'm an open book. I, you know, um, I got all this information out there for free, and the reason I do it is just to make it not a black box in this world. You know, you go and you start looking for stuff, and it's hard to find. It's not hard to find good information, but you have to sift through a lot of noise to get there. So I'm trying to make it as simple as possible for people. You really, um, really, yeah. You really do make you know, it, but yeah, you do have to sift a lot through a lot of stuff that you barely have time for. Because usually, you know, I mean, you're developing an app and you still have your full-time job and possibly a family, and that gets yeah. to be a lot of work. Um, and um, my my next. My next topic I'd like to, to, to segue into is is the launch. Yeah. Um, could you, I'm sure you have a lot to say about that because some launches could go terribly wrong with a lot of bad reviews, but um, what's the, um, what are the main priorities when it comes to launch? Well, I think that there's a couple of things. The first thing is, is the pre-launch is a, is a priority. So, you know, I'm in the middle of a pre-launch right now. It's going to be about a five or six week pre-launch. So, you know, how are you, and, and, and I don't know if that's short or long, you know, depending on what the app is, but how are you getting people interested now? See, the day you launch, you're going to put your app in the app store. It'll go live. You can do a press release. Um, you'll get an uptake. You can go to product, or sorry, I'm going to go through a few things really fast. But when sure. you launch... Um, a press release, you want to go to app review sites, you could potentially start a contest, there's some contest sites you can go on, um, there's product hunt, there's just a number of things you do the day you launch, right? And mm. the press release will get you some, um, you know, some, whatever your space is, if you're in, um, I don't know, I, what's a good space? Like say you're like creating a, uh, an app to help people learn to play guitar. Right? There's a lot of like music blogs and things and publications that will pick up the press release and, and write about you. Influencers. Yeah, influencers. So that's good. So like but when we talk about a pre-launch, right, Alex, we want to talk about all this stuff. Like, okay, how are we gonna how many sites um, I'm doing a pre-launch right now, I'll give you a good example for the golf um, app I'm doing. Mm-hmm. We went and we've identified over five hundred product review sites that review golf products that we'll hit all of them. Um, we're going to go on Facebook. We're going to look for people that have that, that there are groups on Facebook. We're in the Reddit group, um, Instagram. We have a strategy for Instagram. We have a strategy for Pinterest. So there's all these things that we're we're doing pre-launch to actually get. And a lot of it is based around getting followers, getting emails. Um, we're even going to try to do some pre-sales. So if people sign up for the app before it launches. We're going to give them a lifetime membership for what would normally cost a year. So $99 is what it's going to be per year. Nice. We'll give you a lifetime membership. So we're going to try to sell some of those beforehand. So there's all this. And then the day we launch, now that we've been collecting um, emails, we've been um, getting people to like us on all these social channels and follow us and share our content. And we're going to do a contest to get people to, to share our social profiles before we launch. So now when we launch, 
we actually have a group of people that we can cycle back to by email and by social channels. And it's not like, you know, it's not like we waited till January 22nd and we dropped on everybody like, hey, we launched. Like everybody knows we're launching before we launch. Mm. So when we actually get to that date, now we have people from our own ecosystem that we brought in that are going to install the app. We have, you know, the launch. We're going to do all the, the press release and all the other things I mentioned earlier. And we're going to get that traffic coming as well. And then there's this there's this kind of holy grail of, of app um, marketing. And what it is is that Apple has category rankings. So whatever you are, if you're, if you're a music app, if you're teaching people to talk, Apple has a music category. And within that music category, they rank the apps, one to 100. And if you're, and, and this is for all categories, if you're in that top 50, you're going to get probably 300 natural installs a day of people just finding you through that rank and they're going to install your app. If you're in the top 10, you're going to be over 1,000. And if you're in the top five, you're going to be 10,000 installs a day. It's incredible. Yeah, just because you're there. Now, the way to get there is, number one, how many people start installing your app? This is, this is, this is their uh, kind of the big three. How many people install the app? And then out of that number, how many people reuse the app? Because a lot of people just install once and never use. Um. So how many people install, how many people reuse, and then how many people review your app? So based on that, Apple ranks you up in the category. And so if you're listening, think about it. You know if you do a good pre-launch and you have a good press at the beginning of your app, the first week of your app, you're just going to get a bunch of natural installs. Apple will start ranking you up in the category. Now, if nobody reuses your app again, you, as fast as you went into that ranking, you're out of that ranking. Um, so what can you do to keep people in there? You can, you know, put a new video up every day and, or every few days and send somebody a push notification like, hey, we have a new lesson of how to play guitar. Come back to our app and look at it. So people come back. Then you can look at your users and see who's using this app the most and just email them directly and say, hey, Alex, I noticed you like the app. Can you give me a positive review in the app store? Or you can even seed it with your friend and family a little bit. You don't want to span it. But this is these. And so these are some of the things you can do to kind of launch become relevant and stay relevant. Get some local love from the family. But yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You know, or, or if you're, just say you're a company and there's like 10 of you, you know, that's 10 people that all have social accounts and social profiles. If, if you have 10 employees, you should be expecting them to help you launch and, and promote your app. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, think, I think you've written a, um, you've given us a solid idea. Yeah, about sorry, the, I went the, pretty quick. Sorry about that. No, no, you're perfect. No, no, that's awesome. Um, so, what if, um, what if you? I mean, I hear this term a lot. Oh, yeah, we, you know, it's it's buggy. It's buggy, right? People say it's yeah. buggy. What do you do to, to prevent bugs at launch, right? So you've done all the launch, and assuming you get the ten thousand people, what do you what do you do to prevent, or not even prevent? Because I don't know if it's preventative, but but at least fix it as soon as possible because i think in this day and age you know i read a statistic the other day and uh it said if a website page doesn't load within like seven seconds people bounce maybe it might be shorter actually i don't recall but 
So people are, I mean, we, probably you and I too, we're pretty impatient right now in this day and age. Uh, we want it today, right? So yes. uh, how do you prevent or fix the bug as soon as possible? So this is, this is going to happen. So this is kind of a, a, a bigger idea that I'll put out to you is when you launch an app, a lot of people think, hey, I'm going to develop an app. I'm going to launch it. We're going to do all the steps I just talked about, and that's it. Mm. So, and the, the bigger idea is if you're going to launch an app, you're, you're starting a business around this app. And so it's never going to stop. You're not going to launch it and sit back and crack some, well, you might crack the champagne, but the next day you're right back at work. In fact, you're going to have to work harder that day than you did the day before. Mm. So, so the idea of there's always going to be more work in the hopper and it's always going to go like this. You're going to launch an app. As you get closer to launching, you're going to realize you have to um, cut, cut some things out. You have to make concessions. We're not going to be able to roll out that feature um, when we go live. Mm-hmm. We'll get it. We'll get it in phase one or phase. We'll, we'll get it in phase two. We'll call it right. Well, you're also going to have bugs that are going to come in, and you're going to know about the bugs. And during your launch, you're just going to have to kind of figure it out. Go, okay, we can launch with that. We know it's there. It's not a deal breaker. It's not a showstopper. Um, technical term we would call um, severity one bug means like a user you know something really bad happens like the app crashes a severity two they can't register a severity three um every 10th person that gets the app we've noticed that their you know their name has a weird bug in it or something like like that's severity three severity three we can live with one mm-hmm. and two we can't so mm-hmm. um so right after launch we always have so you can kind of factor this almost into your launch plan as far as um, we're going to launch, and we know within two weeks we're going to make an update to the app. Um, the other reason it's good to do that is because you know if, if, if you launch the app and something happens, we have this problem at Safeway. We launched the app, and we started knowing we started noticing a, uh, an Android um, crash. The crash log started spiking, so we immediately had to do a, like a patch and it was like two days that we had that crash happen um, before we fixed it. So you got to anticipate it and you just got to deal with it and you got to roll with the punches and know that that's kind of what's ahead. That's incredible. Um, And uh, earlier you mentioned something something related to... um, Obviously, the, the roadblocks, this was in the beginning of the conversation, it seems obviously this is a, a major roadblock that people just have to, to, to plan for. That said, and in relation to the developers being overseas, um, how could you, from a, from a logistical standpoint, like, hey, you know, Henry or, or Mike over in Serbia, we're launching then. You know, are you putting them on? Um, are you putting them on the clock so they can, you know, debug all these things? Or, well, I don't, I don't know how how you're paying them, but what I would say, and I, what I would recommend is that as you that you have a conversation early and often with your developers, that you say we're launching on this day, and as we get closer to launch, we're going to expect more out of you, and mm-hmm. after we launch, we're going to expect more out of you as well. So you could ask them if they could have like an on-call schedule or something for you. Right. Um, and you, obviously, you're going to have to pay for it. But if, if you get this in your mind early in the development process, like, okay, as I get closer, it's going to ramp up. It doesn't matter. If, 
if I go to the developers and they say it's going to be a thousand hours total to get the app launched, and uh, and the day we launch we're at a thousand hours, I know I'm going over. You're going over. You yeah, know what I mean? Over. So when you start looking at the hours that the developers are working, if they quoted you a thousand hours and you're at nine hundred, you go, "Well, I got a hundred hours and a week left. That's perfect." It might not be perfect. So uh, it's kind of like getting construction done on your house. It always seems to go over and cost more. Right, so, right, right, right. But I would, but I would recommend that kind of that ramp up schedule. Like, hey, a, a week out, we're going to expect you to do more work because we have to meet this date. And then you know, after we launch. Nobody's just kicking back in their chairs, kicking their heels up. Because if, if we do see major issues, we're going to have to do a hot fix. So it's kind of like it's kind of like building or flipping a home. I mean, you're you're maybe not uh, budgeting double or giving it you know budgeting for double time, double budget, and double the work. But you you kind of should because I mean, failing to plan is planning to fail. Kind of attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, 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 you know, just like that's some of the best advice I, I learned, I learned I can give it out there is that like to ramp up or to anticipate and have your developers available to ramp up right before launch and then right after launch is just tell them to say, Hey, after we launch, I'm going to potentially need you for 40 hours or 60 hours or however many hours it is because you know, if, if we see something in production, um, I've been a software engineer for 20 years. We develop, we test it in staging, we test thoroughly in staging. Every time, every time we go to production, a bug or an issue comes up that there was no way we could have saw it or known about it unless it was in production because the environment is different. It's inevitable. Always happens. Yeah. Always happens. So just know if, if you know that, that something's going to happen. Now your idea is a little different. You go, okay, I'm going to make sure my developer is on standby so when something does go down, you know, they're there to offer a solution to us. Right, right, right. And this way you're not shocked. I mean, on a personal level, this is something you're excited for and you want to get it launched and let your, you know, circle of or sphere of influence know about and you want to market it accordingly. So um, the last thing you want to do is, uh, is not be able to launch it because of a bug. Um, so this is something I heard I, um, as I was working on my app um, back in, uh, it was probably 2017, is you could monetize from, and, and help me here with the terminolo terminology, but um, you can monetize based on the location tracking. So, you know, if your app isn't necessarily developing um, a subscription-based income, um, you could, uh, I don't know, I hate to say the word sell, but yeah, basically you're selling data to this to these outside companies who care about people's locations and shopping behaviors. Mm -hmm. And you can pay, I mean, you can charge like $3 per month per subscriber, whether, because earlier you mentioned install, uh, reuse, and review, right? So if it's yeah. installed but not being used, can you still monetize on it? Not really. No. I mean, I mean, it, it, if you, I mean, unless you're a subscription and it's like, you know, somebody that goes and joins the gym and then they never go to the gym, um, you know, your gym's getting paid no matter whether you show up or not. But um, it, it just depends. I mean, there's there's multiple 
models as far as how you can make money with apps. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of a, a whole other topic as well. No doubt, no doubt. Can you maybe uh, touch on that? Yeah, well, I mean, obvious, the one, the one most obvious we just talked about is subscriptions, having, you know, a monthly or an annual or a weekly or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, some apps, any app you use on your phone that's a free app, um, it's either selling your data or, you know, your usage data or they're putting ads in front of you. That's another one. Um, if you're familiar with any sort of games, um, you'll see kind of upsells in app purchases, they're called. Um, you know, like, I don't know, say you want your character to wear a different outfit on Fortnite, you pay three ninety nine, and you can get a different, you know, an outfit, something like that. So those are some of the, some of the ways. You can actually just sell a product in there. Um, mm-hmm. Like what Amazon does, you know, they're just selling a product. So, or Uber, even Uber is just, um, they're just, you know, taking a dollar for every ride that you're in to the house. Um, so there's, there's various methods. Okay. But I always, I always say, and I'll just pile on a little bit, but I always say if, if you don't have a monetization strategy going in, um, that's, that's, that's not a good sign. You should know how your app's going to make money from the very beginning. Find one. And I'll, I'll, uh, it's been a while since I did it, but I have a podcast on my podcast that you can find on my website and it's all about, um, like the top six ways to make money with apps nice. and, uh, you know, and, and those models and how to go through them and, and how to like put your app into one of those categories and go from there. Okay. And that's jeremycallahan.com double L, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. Jeremycallahan.com and my podcast is called to app or not to app. App or not to app. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I'll certainly yeah. reference that. Um, as as you can see, I don't I, I don't plan to do much editing on this podcast. I want it to be super natural, and I want people to just you know just feel us, feel our energy, and how we're communicating here. Because uh, I understand a lot of podcasts out there add a lot of um, background noise and background uh, music, but this is this is raw. This is raw. This is what you're getting here. It's and I'm pretty excited about this model. Um, and so, so far we spoke about the bugs, the individual versus company, obviously offshore versus onshore. Um, you know, and I know this is a loaded question because there's really no straight answer to it. What should someone expect to get the MVP out, the minimum viable product? And for the entrepreneurs out there who haven't read, um, uh, gosh, what's that book called? Um, the Fast Company, or mm, you got me on that one. I, I know, you know what, what you're talking I'm about. I'm grabbing the, the book. It's called Do More. Is what it's called. What is it? The Lean Startup. There you go. The Lean Startup. That's an amazing book. Another great book is Do More Faster. So based on the uh, Lean Startup approach, which tells you to do a minimum viable product. Yeah. Uh, what should someone expect to spend? Well. Um, it, it, it it's a pretty easy model that you can plug in and use um, if you know the amount of hours it's going to take to do something. Again, okay. I have a podcast on this, but I'll just give you a, a kind of a high level. Sure. Let's say you have an app um, and you want to put push notifications into the app. I would tell you that push notifications are anywhere between 40 and 60 hours just for that one item. If you want a payment processor, you're looking at anywhere from 100 to 150 hours. So if you want to put in Stripe or 
PayPal or you want to take some sort of payments in your app, that's the amount of hours you're talking about. So if you can, and if you find this podcast I did at all, I go into all the different aspects of it. Mm -hmm. But if, let's just say you, you figure out it's going to take you 300 hours. So now you know 300 hours. If you hire me, I'm 100 bucks an hour. That's $30,000. If you hire somebody in India for $9, you know, now you're what, nine, well, three times nine, whatever that, $2,700. $2,700. So, right? So that, that's all it is. It's, it's time for hours at that point in time. Right, so right, right, that's, right, right. That's, that's the breakdown of it. Okay. Um, that's the easiest way to do it. Okay. Now, if you're non-technical, you're not going to know how long those tasks will take, but, um, you know, that's okay. kind of how it goes. And, and, and this is, again, to benefit the listeners here. If I were to hire you as a consultant to hire the uh, developers, um, how does that pricing model work? I mean, do you, do you then track your hours, or can you also estimate that? Yeah, so what I do for that is, let's say it's a thousand hour project um, and you want to do a hybrid approach. So you want to use offshore developers, but you want me to consult on top of that. It would be, it's about 30% um, my time. So now you're looking at 300 hours of my time and 700 hours of, of a development shop's time. I see. So I see. you can okay. cut it in half, right? So I'm still 30,000, but now you're only paying the other side, I don't know, whatever, 700 times right, you know, right, right the hourly right. rate is 15 or whatever it is so so now you're getting a thousand hours worth of work for you know 40 grand or, or whatever it is and as opposed to a hundred thousand dollars yeah yeah and there's a lot to be said about having someone uh, who has credibility knowledge and is local and who cares about the re their reputation i really see a lot of value in that because yeah. So the, the, the other kind of factor that's really important in that is like, if you were to hire me in that model, for instance, I'm going to come, here's what I would do. I'm going to architect the entire system. So what I do is I come in and I actually start development. I don't, I, I know we have 700 hours of development time, but what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to come in and I'm going to start the development, put the frameworks in, figure out what third party services we need to use, begin to put those into place. And then all the busy work that takes most of the time, the in and out, the bug fixing and the things like that, that's what the development team is going to do. But now you're looking at an architecture that's sitting there, that's working, that's ready to scale. And you don't ever have to worry about somebody. Like if you're a non-technical person and I tell you, you have to do it, you know, you have to use um, one signal for push notifications, one signal's a company. You have to use one signal for push notifications because of A, B, and C. You're just going to believe me. So, it, you know, and I'm a professional. I've been doing this for years and years and years. But mm -hmm. if you just hire someone in another country, you might say, well, I don't know if that's the best approach. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the problem yeah. people run into. Yeah, and I don't know if I can see. And, 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 and it might be the cheapest approach that they give you or, or whatever. And then you realize three months later, you're like, oh, this doesn't scale. we got to redo the whole thing. You know, so... Um, Somebody really, you know, it's obviously it's technical, but somebody really understanding your business or what you're trying to do is really important in this game. Absolutely, absolutely. And something I've uh, run into previously when I was exploring various opportunities is um, people in 
people overseas, I mean, you know, they're smart, they're technical. I think the area that's lacking is their understanding of our ecosystem in the U.S., our business ecosystem, our marketing ecosystem. And, um, you know, any obviously any industry has its own ecosystem. And they are just not similar between any country. I mean, even China and India, India and, uh, gosh, France, right? France and America. It's going to be very different between all countries. Uh, and so you, I, I think someone like you is very crucial to the success of the app. Absolutely, because you're always going to have, you know, it's like if we go to Greece, right? Everything's just a little different in Greece. It's kind of the same, but it's a little different. So, um, yeah, and, and, and in a business environment, really, um, you know, sometimes, and this can even happen even if you hire people in the United States, there's some people that just want to show up for a paycheck. And what I mean by that is it's like, hey, you want to give me $10,000 to build your app? Fine, I'll build it for you. And I'm just going to kind of, I'm just in it for a paycheck, so to speak. Mm. Um, I'm not going to suggest better things to you because that might be more work for me or, or whatever the reason is. But you just you want somebody that is really going to give you value. They're basically at your service. You know? Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, like, like you, if, if you're listening to this right now, you, you realize at this point, like, I'm not here to blow smoke up your ass and I'm going to, give you ideas and ways that that can take you to the top of the mountain. Right. 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 As opposed to some people are like, well, why do you want to do that? That's going to add another 10 hours. That's going to add another 20 hours to the project. Why do you want to do something like that? Like if somebody's asking you that question, you probably need to start looking for another developer <laughs> right away. Because okay? what you want is you want somebody like, I, I might ask you why do you want to do that, but what I'm going to give you is three solutions to that problem. Right. Or, you know, I'm going to give you options and say, well, if you do it this way, this is what would happen if you do it that way. This will happen. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, that that's incredible. It's like that uh, um, sticker moms usually have on on their refrigerator is because I'm the mom. That's why. That's right. <laughs> so it's like, hey, I'm I'm the expert here. That's why. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, generally speaking, in, in most initial business communications, like, you know, does this person have my best interest or are they, again, to, to your knowledge, and that's really dangerous, man. It's 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 kind of scary to me that uh, there are people out there, there are developers out there that that do that because it's like, okay, I understand you need to get paid and, paid and everyone needs to make a living, but this is, this is my hard-earned money. I mean, this because... This money usually doesn't come from large organizations like GE or Verizon <clears throat> or AT&T. Right. This, this money is hard-earned by people who are out driving Uber, serving tables, you know, going to school or working their corporate job they can't stand so they can, you know, again, go to the top of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people like that that are, you know, busting and grinding and you know, using their extra money to, to make it to the next level mm -hmm. and not go on a vacation or whatever like that. So, you know, they're, they're, it's it's one of those things when you start doing that and, you know, you're you're in kind of your boat or you had made your app years ago and you're hiring offshore developers. And I've dealt with it as well. It's, you you know, it's probably like 100, 100, out of 100 podcasts you listen to on the subject, it's who you hire. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I want to I want to say a quote here, which I personally believe in. Is and before I get two more questions for you, I feel like I asked you many, many questions. So I'm very appreciative of your time here. Uh, but the quote really is, you know, you do what others won't so you can live the life that others can't. Right. So whether that's uh, working nights, working weekends, um, you know, uh, yeah. getting black coffee versus the uh, macchiatos, right? You save yourself three bucks and you add that to the budget to develop your next dream. So That's right. Um, that's what entrepreneurship is all about. Um, next question is um, what is something you've seen clients fail at over and over again? Mm, like that's it, a tougher one. Um, <laughs> is it? I mean, I predict it's giving up on their idea, but I'll let you answer that. Well, I, I wouldn't say giving up on their idea. I would say um, are they, I think as I've gotten more into this this I realize when people come to me with ideas, I, I kind of stop and look at them and go, "Are they really the one, you know, mm. to do this?" It's kind of almost like like when you see these guys that invest in companies and they they say, "Well, I invest, you know, part in the idea and part in the person that's bringing me the idea." And and so you look at somebody and you go, "They're willing to pay me twenty thousand dollars to build them this app. I know that they have to put another twenty thousand on the back of this to market it and get it to market successfully." doesn't mean $20,000 in actual money. It might mean $20,000 in actual work. So somebody might not be able to work or do their other job. And, you know, it's going to cost money and time. The soft cost, basically. Yeah, or or the opportunity the cost go, in this case. I don't case. know if Alex is the guy to do that. You yeah, know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's in the industry. He's got, he knows some people. But um, when it gets tough, is he going to be the guy to do it? And so the old me would be like, well, Alex wants the app, I'll build the app for him. And now I'm kind of like, I don't really want to just take your money to be taking your money. Wow. That's, that's like, really why, noble, why I got to say. Taking your money going, or, or even if it's, it's a, if it's a half-baked idea that might be a good, if I don't believe in the idea, why should I go and work on it for you? You know? Wow. Like, it's, you know, I used to do this thing where I would uh, do a Facebook Live every Tuesday. And right. I'd have people just say, I say, hey, if you have an app idea, put it in the comments, and I'll tell you if it's a good idea or not. Right. You know, and and you'd get all kinds of ideas. And like, no, it's not a good idea. But sometimes you'd realize, like, you'd, you'd see somebody's name or something. And go, well, oh, I know Alex has a lot of money, and he could definitely fund this if he wants to do it. And he's got the passion. He seems to like the idea. I'm like, that idea sucks. It's not going to go anywhere. Wow. You know? Why? why why should I waste my time in that? Even though it's a paycheck for me, I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm not really into that anymore. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, I think also <clears throat> developers nowadays get enough work working on ideas they love that they yeah. don't have to work on ideas they hate. Yeah. You know? like when I get, when people go, oh, will you sign an NDA? I said, yeah, I'll sign an NDA. I'll sign anything for you. I'll say, but the truth of the matter is I don't need to sign it because I, I've got enough ideas of my own that I don't even have time to work on. So I'm not really worried about your your idea yeah taking your idea and stealing your idea that doesn't interest me yeah it's interesting because i actually learned that i don't want to say the hard way uh call it the soft way for lack of a better term but uh you know i used to be all you know big on the ndas and i thought to myself dude like everyone's busy i mean unless it's like a an insanely brilliant idea um yeah. i don't think 
Because, you know, I consider myself a relentless person. And admittedly, here to the audience, I'm admitting that I've given up on ideas, right? And it's like, if I give up on it, man, run with it. Yeah, Uh, exactly. And then, of course, do more faster. I actually was just reading this book. Literally, like, what are the first chapters in here? Um, it's by, so it's basically, this book is by, um, Feld and Cohen, and they're the founders of Techstars. It's a mm-hmm. accelerator. Yeah. And, oops, I just dropped the book. And, um, they basically say, your idea is worthless. Like, don't, don't get hung up on the NDAs. Don't get hung up on not telling people, sharing your ideas because you want to protect it. Idea because you want to protect it. Put it out there. It's not yeah. really that big of a deal. So Yeah, I mean, I, I launched an app one time, and three days before I launched the app, someone launched the exact same app, okay? Get <laughs> out of here. I hope it's not the same name. <laughs> no, but it was close enough, and actually it wasn't. I think they, they had branded their name. Um, but but then I, and I, was, I was so bummed. You know, like mm. so far down the road, I couldn't turn back, so I didn't even think about turning back. But I was bummed for a day or two, wow. and then I I did a little research on them, and I realized they had raised 1.7 million dollars to build the same app that I had basically offshored for about two thousand bucks. Get out of here! Wow. And I thought I only have to make about five thousand dollars to cut even on this thing. These guys have to make 1.7 million. So um, let's let's uh, have a battle, boys. Wow. See who wins. <laughs> well, you certainly would have been more profitable, and you would have, not that you had investors, but your investors would have been happy. No, I made money. I, I mean, I made money. And I, my whole thing was, um, and, and it's kind of still my whole thing, it's like, I want to I roll something out and have it make money right away. If it yeah. doesn't make money right away, um, you know, it's probably not ever going to. Mm-hmm. So let's just plan it to roll it out in an MVP fashion. Um, put as little into it as we have to um, from a development standpoint. Keep it in mind, I am a developer, so I have time into it. Mm-hmm. And then seeing how much money we can make with it, seeing what that market is and pushing it to the market and forming a market around it as opposed to going out and pitching it all over town and trying to get a million and a half bucks for, of investment or however much it is to develop it. Um, Let's, let's just start the company and start making money and then we'll start hiring people and start growing the business. Yeah. I think that's the model really most people should go with. I have a fairly similar story. <clears throat> I uh, went out and got a trademark for um, the FitCount app. Uh, FitCount yeah. is um, where um, athletes or in this case consumers can get um, you know financial rewards for getting fit so hence the fit count discount relationship and uh, just about a week after I received the uh, trademark I actually found out that the app exists uh, but the timing worked out in my favor so uh, now I'm in negotiations with the app owners who have actually developed it to uh, get royalty on the name because I own the right to it so, you know, even if I make a couple hundred extra dollars a month, I'm happy because they've definitely put some effort in that app. So There you go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, finally, 
uh, I like to ask this question. You know, I, you you know, this is my my first podcast on what they don't teach you in college, and let me tell you, it's been extremely enlightening, uh, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Uh, my final question is: Was there anything I should have asked that I didn't related to the subject? Um, well, I think I just touched on it a, a, a little bit in what I said before, and that's, you know, when you get into this, um, how is it going to make money? Mm-hmm. You know, start with that question. I mean, it's not, okay, we're not in it for the money. You know, we can all say that, but that's kind of not all that true. We're all in it for the money to a degree or to make, you know, the world a better place. But all that kind of revolves around, you know, how something is going to make money. And, you know, without money, we can't make the world a better place. We can't grow a business. You know, we can't send our kids to better school or go on bigger vacations or whatever it is. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how are you going to monetize something from the beginning is is really the most important factor in it. Right. Um, You know, and so, so when you start with that, um, you start to realize, like, is there a market there? But you, like, you can say, is there a market there? Okay, there's a market there, but is that market willing to spend money on, on this type of a thing? Mm-hmm. You know, so because it could be a good product. You know, we, we've seen this in the uh, in the bicycle industry. You know, people that ride bikes typically they love to spend money on their bikes, and they don't really spend money on anything else. So. <laughs> you know, these are some of the things you want to consider, but I, I, that, that would be the one thing, um, you know, one of the starting points for, you know, a mobile app or just starting a business in general is, is how is it monetized and then kind of beyond, you know, that, that's one of the one things I loved about getting an MBA mm-hmm. is I started realizing it's like, how are we making money? What are we measuring or how, or how are we saving money? You know, are we saving people money? Um, you know, and then that's kind of the one thing that I always stress with apps and yeah. my podcast and other things is there's three, there's really three factors. Can we increase revenue and leads or can we reduce costs or can we reduce manpower? If we can do one of those three things and we can do it effectively, then we got to build the app. We got to move forward with it. If we can't, then we don't, it's just, it's a harebrained idea. It's maybe it's, you know, something people will use, but if it doesn't do one of those three things, and why are we there? That's great. That's great. And I, and I mean, I, I follow <clears throat> very successful companies on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, like Akamai Technologies, Verizon Wireless. And they have, because, you know, my background is in sales and business development. So the most successful companies have followed that model of, um, you know, increased productivity, increased efficiency, um, enhanced security. And at the end of the day, provide further profit or more profitability, right? Because, yeah. you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, I mean, Simon Sinek says it best, like, you got to have the why. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a healthy bottom line, um, yeah. no one's going to want to keep your mo- their money with you. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you know, like, you touched on it a little earlier kind of throughout the podcast as far as like, you know, a lot of the people that are listening are probably just people looking for like another source of income or taking an idea they have and taking it, you know, to another level. We're not necessarily talking to guys that are in the corner office here, you know, mm-hmm. girls that are in, in the corner office. We're talking to people, real people here. Mm-hmm. So if I'm talking to you as a real person, then 
what, what are we trying to do? Well, you're trying to make an app to make the world a better place. And, okay, is it gonna, how is it going to make money or how is it going to save somebody money? Because um, if it's not doing that, you know, there's no reason for you to, to put your extra cash towards it. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's that's kind of been the theme in the past, I feel like, not only with app development, but the past, you know, 10 years. I mean, since Apple since Apple gained a tremendous amount of popularity in, in the globe, you know, it's, you know, they, they challenge the status quo, right? So people buy the idea. It's kind of like Disney. People buy the experience, not so much. I mean, you can buy... You can buy a pre-owned, you know, a used Mickey Mouse off of offer up and, and, and have it at your home, but people want to go to Disney for the experience. Yeah. And to possibly run into Mickey Mouse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Jamie, thank you so much. Um, um, again, Absolutely. I really sincerely appreciate your time. This has been enlightening. I, I hope it's enlightening to the audience. Uh, please give us feedback. Again, uh, from Long Beach, California, and San Francisco, California. Is that where you're at? Exactly, yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, right, I'm on, in the right, city. right on. Right uh, on. Again, welcome to what they don't teach you in college. And if there's any feedback, any additional topics uh, we can provide, um, please let us know. And I look forward to, to talking to you soon. All right. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you having me on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you.